Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you that you lead us, that you lead us, you give us life, you give us new hearts, and you lead us. And so, Lord, we pray today that you would give us understanding of your word. Lord, give us understanding of your work. Give us understanding of who you are. And, Lord, would you deepen our love for you and of what you are doing in our lives and the lives of those around us. So, Holy Spirit, come. Lead us even now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. My friend James was having marriage problems. James is a made-up name, by the way, so don't, you guys are thinking, who do I know named James? It's a made-up name, okay? But it's based on a real story. James was having marriage problems. You know anybody like that? Every time James and I would get together, he would come with, uh, you know, he would come with an Eeyore mentality. He had a cloud hovering over his head, and he would always come into the conversation uh, just downcast. He would tell me about how his wife uh, was not affectionate toward him. He would tell me about how his wife uh, did not respect him. He was always down and he always looked tired. And one, one day, uh, James and I decided to meet like we normally do, periodically. And I noticed something incredibly different about James that day. He came in with an incredibly huge smile on his face. And I was like, James, what is going on, man? What happened? And he said, my wife and I are getting a divorce. And I said, wait, wait, what? Wait, 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 what? Is there infidelity? Is there any, is there any reason for this? Is there? And he said, no, 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 but, but the Holy Spirit led me. And I have a peace about it. And so we're going to go through with this divorce, and I couldn't be happier. And my wife, she couldn't be happier either. So let me ask you, was James led by the Spirit to divorce his wife? My wife, Laurie, uh, taught in a Christian school when we lived in Greenville. She taught first grade, and, and the cool thing about this school is that it was brand new. You ever been into a new building and you just smell like the dust on the ground? Like everything is, the, 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 the sheetrock dust, everything's just brand new. The walls had not even been painted yet. And the teachers were coming in to this new building, this new Christian school, private Christian school. Uh, she only lasted two years there. Um, <laughs> one year. No, I'm sorry, just one year. Um, but she went in and she, she was uh, with the other teachers. They were setting up their classrooms. You teachers know what that's like. You're setting up your classroom. And uh, they had done that for a couple of days in a row. And then they showed up on like a Thursday. And when they showed up, the walls of the entire school had been painted this ugly green. Like, I mean, snot, nasty green. You know, just think of the nastiest color green you could think of. And the walls were painted that color. And so naturally, a couple of the teachers, I think probably including Laurie, were went to the, the headmaster, the principal, and said, look, these, this color is not going to work for us. Like, this is just rough. You know, like, we walk in the, we, we all have headaches just walking in the room. And the headmaster called a meeting. The headmaster called a meeting. 
called all the teachers together, all the staff together, the, the, the board and everyone together, and the headmaster got up in front of everyone and she said, listen, I know there's some c- complaints about the, the color that was chosen for the walls, but I need to tell you something, the headmaster said. She said, the Holy Spirit led me to this particular shade of green, and I cannot disobey the Holy Spirit. So there was no way to answer that. Was the headmaster led by the Spirit to paint the walls ugly green? Or maybe we would call them Holy Spirit green. A couple of years ago, Laurie and I were uh, at a football game over at Orangeburg-Wilkinson High School, uh, my alma mater, Go Bruins. And we were watching football, and we were probably talking, you know, kind of chit-chatting about life and ministry and everything. And at halftime, there was a couple in front of us, and uh, the man turned around to us in a very serious voice. He said to us, uh, he said, I-, I don't know who you are, but the Holy Spirit led me to tell you something. And then he said, you are going to do great and amazing things. You will have good health and prosperity in all that you do. And, and the Holy Spirit just wanted me to tell you that. So Laurie and I said thank you, and we looked at each other and thought, that would be nice. That would be nice. Was the man at the football game led by the Spirit to tell us that we would prosper? How do we know? (laughs) How do we know that we are led by the Spirit? You know, this phrase, led by the Spirit, or, or I have a a peace or a feeling that I'm being led by the Spirit is so common, isn't it, in our world? I mean, we've all said it in some way or fashion. I know I have. I feel led to do X, Y, and Z, led by the Spirit to X, Y, and Z. And I've just given you a couple of examples of, of some of those ways that I've heard it. We could probably list a hundred or maybe a thousand. But did you know that there are only four verses in the Bible that use the phrase, led by the Spirit? And in fact, those four verses are actually two pairs of verses. The first two are in Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, and the Gospel of Luke, and they are used to describe Jesus after his baptism being led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. All right, that was the first way that the Bible says that someone, Jesus, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. The second two verses are used by the Apostle Paul, and they're found in Romans chapter 8, and they're found in Galatians chapter 5, our scripture for today. And these two passages, Romans 8 and Galatians 5, are parallel passages. If you read them together, you're like, okay, that's the same message. He's talking to two different churches, right? The church in Rome, and he's telling them something about being led by the Spirit, and he's talking to the church in Galatia, and he's telling them about being led by the Spirit. Okay? And so they're really just one message in these two other passages, Romans chapter 8 and Galatians chapter 5. And we're just going to, for the sake of simplicity, we're going to focus in on Galatians 5 today. How do we know that we are led by the Spirit? I want to just focus for now on a few verses, Galatians 5, 16 through 18. 
So if you pull that up on the screen, Galatians 5, 16 through 18. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. These are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. All right? Clear, right? Everybody got it? All right, sermon over. Let's go home. <laughs> there are three phrases in these, in these three verses that are parallel. They are walk by the Spirit, desires of the Spirit, and led by the Spirit. And those three phrases help us understand what each of them means. They're parallel in the passage. You know, sometimes when you say something, somebody doesn't understand it, and you say it a different way, like you put it in a different phrase, that's what Paul is doing here. He's, he's giving it to us in three different ways so we can understand. He's saying to be led by the Spirit is to walk in the Spirit. To walk in the Spirit is to have the desires of the Spirit. All right? Y'all with me? Okay, so how can you know that the Spirit is actually leading? This passage altogether is going to give us three tests. Three questions that I would say are tests that you can ask yourself very practically. How do I know I'm being, am I being led by the Holy Spirit? Here they are. The first one is this, am I resisting the flesh? We're going to break that down. That's the first one. Am I resisting the flesh? Am I bearing fruit? That's the second one. And the third one is this, am I walking in freedom? Am I resisting the flesh? Am I bearing fruit? And am I walking in freedom? These are the three tests that help us to know, am I being led by the Spirit? And we're going to look at that, all right? The first one, am I resisting the flesh? What is the flesh? It's not talking about, my mic is giving me trouble. It's, it's the connection. Or it might be a spiritual battle. I'm just saying. Am I resisting the flesh? What is the flesh? The flesh is not my lovely white skin. See? It did it again. It's not our skin. What is it? It's talking about our sinful nature. It's talking about that part of us, that inside part of us that goes against God, that desires to go against our Maker and our Savior. That's the flesh. Okay, so everybody say, the flesh is the sinful nature. The sinful nature is the flesh. There is a war waging inside of every one of you. There is a war waging inside of every one of you. Desires pulled one direction and desires pulling another direction. Uh, there was an old Cherokee, an old, an old Cherokee man who was meeting with his grandson, and he said to his grandson, Grandson, there's a fight going on inside of me. Grandson looked at him with wide eyes, and the old chief said, There are two wolves that are fighting each other inside of me. One of them is evil, filled with anger and envy and arrogance and lies and false pride. And the other one is good, filled with joy and peace and love and kindness and truth and beauty. And then the, the old chief or the old Cherokee man looked at his grandson and said, the same fight is going on inside of you and inside of everyone who lives. 
the boy took a moment and thought to himself, and he said, Grandfather, which one will win? The old Cherokee man simply replied, the one that you feed. The one that you feed. You see, there's a war going on inside of each of us, a war of the flesh, the sinful nature, and the spirit, the new life that God has planted inside of believers. Last week, we talked about getting a new heart. And that new heart comes into a body that, that wants to reject it. <laughs> we talked about that last week. A body, a flesh that wants to reject it at every turn away from the Spirit. But we need to remember that God has prepared us for the battle. God has given us a sure confidence. And what is that sure confidence? It is that as a believer, you have a new spiritual reality. As, as Ezekiel 36 says, you have a new heart. You are indwelled by the Holy Spirit. God says in Ephesians chapter 1 that the Holy Spirit is a seal of the promise of God and of the truth of the gospel, and it is God's guarantee that He will deliver on what He has promised. That is the Holy Spirit. And so we have this foundation from which to fight. We have armor, if you will. Uh, man, go and read Ephesians chapter 6, the armor of God. It's a different sermon. In fact, I want to do a whole series on it. But, but it's the armor of God, and it's the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth. It's these solid things that God has given to us. And the Holy Spirit is inside of you, indwelling you, giving you that foundation so that you can fight, so that you can resist the flesh. The Apostle Paul spells it out pretty plainly in verses 19 through 21, if we could put those on the screen. Verses 19 through 21, uh, the Apostle Paul says this, Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Right? He's like, and there's more. <laughs> and there's more. And then he says, I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, most of these things that he lists are, are pretty obvious, right? And, and for the sake of time, I want to just focus on one of them that might be a little confusing, okay? So I'm going to just focus on one that might feel a little bit out of place, and that is the word sorcery, all right? That is the word sorcery, and what I want you to think of is not Lord of the Rings, you know, or uh, 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 Harry Potter, um, but I want you to think of sorcery as anything that seeks to manipulate nature or God to do what you want. Sorcery or magic is, is manipulating the nature around you, manipulating other people, or manipulating the gods to get what you want. That's what sorcery is. Does that make sense? So it's not, you know, doing incantations or spells necessarily. It can be as simple as superstition. It can be as simple as wearing the same pair of underwear to every football game. Gross. And I knew guys that did that. I can't claim that one. I had my own superstitions, but that wasn't mine. 
It can be as simple as that. It can be as simple as reading your horoscope, astrology, seeking to uh, manipulate nature, right? That's what astrology is all about, seeking to manipulate nature. It could be something that's becoming more common, using crystals or burning sage to try to, to, to cleanse your environment and manipulate your environment, right? And to manipulate the things that are going to happen. This is sorcery, okay? This is sorcery. And it is full of deception, and it is all around us, and we all do it. Right? We all do it. I'm not pointing fingers at anybody. I do it. I'm superstitious, and so are you. Christianity, and this is, look, some Christians know their astrological sign, but they don't know a verse of Scripture. Can I just say that? You know your astrological sign, but you don't know a verse of Scripture. Can I just say that? And, and you know what Jesus says? Such will not inherit the kingdom of God. Don't let that be you. And don't let that be me. Sorcery is full of deception. That's all it is. It's deceiving. It's it's getting people to feel a certain way. It's getting people to think that things are going to happen if I just say it. If I just get the spell right. Have you watched Harry Potter? Right? They have to say the spell just right. To, in order, right, kids? They have to say the spell just right. If they don't say it just right, then what happens? Something else happens. Am I right? That's how sorcery works. You know, you got to do the thing the right way, and then the things will happen, and things will happen. And you know what happens? Is that we mix sorcery with Christianity. Oh, I'm about, y'all thought I was meddling. I, I haven't even started to meddle. We mix sorcery with Christianity. It's called syncretism. It's called syncretism. Let me show you how it works. When you can't tell the difference between your horoscope and your favorite preacher, and I'm not, I'm not naming names, but when you can't tell the difference between your horoscope and your favorite preacher, you are blending Christianity. He or she is blending Christianity with sorcery. There is a movement in Christianity in the West where we are rich, right? Uh, you don't get this in China where, where everyone's struggling and you don't get this in I- Iran where the, where the church is persecuted. You only get this in rich countries like ours. You have something called the Word of Faith movement where people believe that by speaking things into existence, they can manipulate a situation. They can manipulate the, 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 the nature or the God or God to do something that they want them to do. But what is this Word of Faith movement? It's just wealth, health, prosperity. These are all things we want. Who doesn't want that? Right? And if I speak it into existence, what I'm doing, y'all, and what I would be doing is an incantation. Cloaked. Cloaked as Christianity. And it is dangerous. Because it is not Christianity. Read your Bible. Read about your Jesus. Read about your Jesus who was led by the Spirit. Where? To the palace? Who was led by the Spirit to health and prosperity? No! He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. 
And oh, and listen, and do you know what? When he's in the wilderness, Jesus is in the wilderness, he's being tempted by who? And do you know what one of those temptations was? Help me. You will have all wealth and prosperity. All the kingdoms of the world will be yours, Jesus, if you will just bow down to me. If you will just say the right thing, then it's all yours. You know what that is? That's health and wealth and prosperity gospel preaching, and it's from the pit of hell. It is straight up demonic. Straight up demonic. But look, we cloak it in Christianity. We, we mix our Christian doctrines, and so it can be deceptive. Because you can listen to a YouTube channel and you can be like, yes, this man is preaching the word, but he's telling you lies. The devil used the Bible to tempt Jesus to health and wealth and prosperity gospel. And do you know what Jesus said? No. I will not believe your lies, devil. And you and me, we eat it up. And, and I am talking about me, okay, because I believe the prosperity gospel too. I may not listen to Joel Osteen. Did I name a, did I name, a name? Sorry. I'm, I, may not, I may not listen to TBN because it, they're all on there. I may not listen to that, but you know what I believe? I believe God owes me an easy life. And that is the same lie from the pit of hell. My Savior went to the cross and died. That's Christianity. That is what it means to be led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And what it means to be led by the Spirit is to be led away from things like sorcery. To say, no, I will not manipulate God. I will not buy these lies from the devil that my life should be all a bed of roses. Because where has God promised that? I want you to show me. The Apostle Paul, later in his life, as he's speaking to a young pastor named Timothy, said these words, For the time is coming, Timothy, when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. Lord, help us. We need to resist the passions of the flesh. And, and, and don't whitewash them with Christian lingo and things that feel religious. Because that's all it's doing is whitewashing something that's a lie and that's manipulative. All right, I'm, pre I'm, I'm done with that. There is nothing wrong with wealth. There is nothing wrong with health. I pray for it. I pray for prosperity. I pray for health. I've prayed for you. I prayed for Q this week when he was sick. And I know some of you, some of y'all didn't know about it, but he was in the hospital for two days. And I prayed for him. Why? Because I believe God can heal him. But it doesn't mean that I spoke it into existence. I don't have that power. And you don't either. We have only the power of prayer <laughs> to petition God. God move. God heal. God bring comfort. God bring anything you want to pray for, pray for it. If it's in His will. I'm not saying don't pray for wealth and prosperity. 
What I'm saying is, don't mix that with sorcery. Okay? The first test was this. Am I resisting the flesh? Second test is this. Am I bearing fruit? Am I bearing fruit? Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit, y'all say it with me, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. The fruit of the Christian life is fruit. It is not something you can manufacture. Have you ever accidentally bitten into a fake apple? I have. <laughs> not, not recently. <laughs> not recently, but when I was a kid at my mama's house, she had some fake fruit. You know, the styrofoam fake, and it looks real. And I picked it up, and I was like, ugh. You can't manufacture fruit, y'all. You can't manufacture joy. You can't manufacture love. You can't manufacture it. It's the fruit of what? The Spirit. Come on. If you're led by the Spirit, you will have the fruit of the Spirit. So if I'm trying to figure out, am I led by the Spirit, I need to ask the question, am I bearing fruit? Do I see these things in my life? Can I talk about one of them? Just one. Gentleness. Gentleness. One of the most misunderstood words in the English language. Gentleness. Does that mean mild-mannered, weak, and powerless? No, it actually... No, y'all, y'all like no, because y'all know where I'm going. That's all right. What is gentleness? Here's my, here's my definition of gentleness. Gentleness is strength under control. I want you to imagine Dwayne the Rock Johnson. And he's up here looking kind of like I am, you know, strong and buff. And, and, he's, and I want you to imagine Dwayne the Rock Johnson is holding a newborn baby in his arms. Now, he has the power to, without really thinking about it too much, crush that child, right? He has the, I mean, he could probably just like blink and the baby's like, Ugh. but if, but he wouldn't do that, right? Because <laughs> we love Dwayne the Rock Johnson, right? He's so strong. And if he's holding a newborn infant, he's gentle. His strength is under control. That is a fruit of the Spirit. That is a fruit of the Spirit, to have strength, but to be under control, right? Uh, to be able to lash out, but to withhold a, a word. To be able to tell your boss where he can shove it and not say it. Gentleness. To treat people with respect, gentleness. Dwayne Johnson with a baby, amen? Overlooking minor offenses, gentleness, strength, power under control. Look to Jesus. Can y'all do that with me? Do you know what ultimately the Spirit is leading us to do? Is to be like Jesus. Ultimately, the, the Spirit is leading you, and if the Spirit is leading you, the Spirit is leading you to be like Jesus. That is His mission and purpose in life. The Holy Spirit's job is to make you more like Jesus to work it out in your life, all right? And so look to Jesus. Was Jesus a, a pushover? No, but was he gentle? Absolutely. He didn't 
force his will, but he submitted to the will of the Father. He laid down what maybe in his humanity what he wanted to do and not go to the cross, but he submitted to the Father's will. And when he went to the cross, he had the power to call down a legion of angels and to kick some... But did he? No, he was gentle. He was gentle. Why was he able to do it? How was Jesus able to stay on the cross without just eliminating everyone in front of him? How? You know, you know how? The same way he resisted the temptations of the devil. By the power of the Holy Spirit. And by, the, and by the leading of the Holy Spirit, He was able to overcome even uh, the temptations of the devil and to demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit on the cross. Gentleness on the cross. Look, when I'm under stress, you're not going to see a lot of the fruit of the Spirit in my life. <laughs> but Jesus did it. And that's why you're not the Savior. And that's why I'm not the Savior. Because Jesus is the only one who ever lived it perfectly. He's the only one who was ever fully in the lead of the Spirit perfectly. And that's why He's our Savior. He's His, his life for mine. <laughs> that's what it's, you know, it's, it's not on you to do it. And that leads me to my last point. Am I resisting the flesh? Am I bearing fruit? Am I walking in freedom? Look with me at Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 and 18. This is how this passage starts. For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. <laughs> He's like, you're free, but, but don't use that freedom to you know, go the wrong way, right? You were called to freedom, brothers. Through love, serve one another. Verse 18. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And you know what that means? It means you're free. You are not under the law. You see, this, we've got to give a little context, okay? In this, in this book of Galatians, which our, our college students have been studying uh, for the last, I don't know, six months, something like that. Galatians is about these divisions in the church between the super spiritual Christians. Do y'all know any super spiritual Christians? Y'all know anybody like that? <laughs> They're not here, so don't worry. They're not here. Galatians is all about the divisions in the church between those who claim to have the moral high ground because they kept all the ceremonial laws of the Old Testament. They were circumcised. They only ate certain foods. They had all these laws. And Jesus came and he fulfilled all of those laws so that those laws are no longer in place because Jesus is the final temple. Right? The temple is gone. So all the laws that have to do with the temple are gone. But they were still holding on to them. Why? Because they felt like it gave them a better standing with God. They felt like it made them. But don't you feel better? Like if you're actually, if you do your quiet time or if you, uh, you know, if you actually help someone across the street, you're like, God probably likes me today. I mean, it does. Keeping the rules kind of makes you feel like you are better with God. But God says, it's not in rule keeping that I accept you. It's only by my grace. And it's only by the work of Christ finished in you that you're accepted. And so when it says that we're no longer under the law, what it means is you're no longer under the law as a means of getting God's acceptance. Because we would all fail that test. And we do, right? 
So we're no longer under the law, but we are free. We are freed from that burden because Jesus has, has done it all. He has lived for us and he has died for us. And because of that, the Spirit gives us freedom. We are saved by grace alone through faith alone. But people really, really, really want rules and regulations. People really, really, really want them. I want them. And do you know why? Because we don't like mystery. We, don't, we like things to be certain. We don't like to take the time that it takes to read the Scripture and to develop faith and to develop wisdom and to develop understanding. And so we take shortcuts that really become like laws that we become imprisoned under. And might I say enslaved under. And, so, and let me, I'm going to spell it out, okay? It's going to get back to the introduction. So when we say the Spirit led me to do something or other, what we're doing is creating a new law. Remember the, the lady, remember the lady who, did the, who said, I've got to paint the walls green? And she, what did she say? She said, I can't disobey the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit led me to this ugly green color, and I can't disobey the Holy Spirit. What is she doing? She's creating a new law that she has to keep, or else Holy Spirit's mad. And whenever you do that, whenever you add something to what God has said clearly in His Word, unless you have a voice from heaven that's accompanied by signs and wonders, which I will grant God can do, <laughs> and He has, if it's just your feeling about things, then just be honest about that. You know, like, let, let's, let's, let's acknowledge that God is sanctifying us. He is sanctifying our hearts and our minds and our, our creativity. And, and, if, and, and look, if lady likes ugly green, just own it, man. I like this ugly color of green. Own it, but don't put it on the Holy Spirit. <laughs> don't put it on the Holy Spirit. We need to walk through these three tests. Am I, am I resisting the flesh? Am I bearing fruit? Am I walking in freedom? Uh, quickly. Back to the first example. Did the Spirit lead the man to divorce his wife? Okay, I know most of you are going to say no, but he felt like the Spirit was leading, okay? And he was convinced of it, and he was happy about it. Is the Spirit leading me to divorce my wife? This is something that the Bible, God's Word, also known as the sword of the... Come on now. The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. We talk about the Bible, and then we just leave it on the shelf. But is the Spirit leading me to divorce my wife? God speaks about that clearly, right, in the Bible. Like, yes, there are reasons to, uh, to divorce. Abandonment, adultery, there are reasons. Abuse, okay, there's reasons. But let's be honest. For most people, most situations, for my friend James, he was not led by the Holy Spirit to divorce. He was following the passions of his flesh. He was following. He was not exhibiting the fruit of the, fruit of the Spirit. Patience, self-control, kindness. And so in his case, am I resisting the flesh? Uh, no. Am I bearing fruit? Not really. Am I walking in freedom? I don't know. I'm, I... You see how that works? All right, so is the Spirit leading? I think we can all say no. All right. 
Number two, is the Spirit leading me to paint the walls ugly green? The answer is no. <laughs> Not ugly green, okay? Any, any color but that. But here's the thing, y'all. The Word of God doesn't speak directly to a, a paint color. Right? And so here's the beautiful thing. You are free to choose whatever color you want. You have freedom. You don't have to get a word from the Lord on that. Right? You, God has sanctified the minds of His people that we can make wise choices. Right? Wisdom. Walking in wisdom. It, we don't have to have a new law. We don't have to claim power that God doesn't grant. We can just paint the, paint the color we want to better if I'm following the fruit of the Spirit, then I'm looking to other people, and I'm like, let me, let me bring people together. What, what do we want to paint the color of the walls, right? Then I'm actually loving my neighbor as myself. Am I being led by the Spirit now? You better believe it. Did I get people together and say, you know what, let's, let's vote on this. Am I loving my neighbor now? Yes. Am I following the lead of the Spirit? Yes. Do you see how it works? The Spirit doesn't lead you by giving you a inf secret information. Sometimes, okay, I'm not going to say that doesn't ever happen. Generally, we are, we are to walk by faith. We are to walk in wisdom. And God gives us sanctified wisdom. And, and the test is, am I walking in the fruit of the Spirit? You know, am I loving my neighbor? Am I joyful in this decision? Right? A am I turning away from sexual immorality in this decision? Down the list, right? So, so that's how you know if you're led by the Spirit. And the last one, I think, is the hardest. Is the Spirit leading me to speak or act based on an inner impulse or intuition or feeling? This one's hard. I know. I know it's hard. <laughs> Is the Spirit leading me to speak or act based on an inner impulse or intuition or feeling? And I would say maybe. Follow the test, right? Am I resisting the flesh? Am I bearing fruit? Am I walking in freedom? If so, then the Spirit's leading me to speak a word of encouragement to someone. But I would urge us to, to try to be truthful as far as we know it. Right? Like, as far as I know, these folks, beautiful folks sitting in front of us, um, I think a pastor and his wife, at the football game, they overheard me and Laurie talking. Right? They overheard me and my wife loving each other. They overheard me and my wife talking about our new ministry that we wanted to start in Orangeburg. They heard us talking about our kids, right? I don't know what we were talking about. But they were overhearing us. And so the Holy Spirit led them to encourage us. And I believe that 100%. But I don't believe that the Holy Spirit led them to speak some sort of new law over us. That you are going to have success and prosperity. No, 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 no. Just encourage us, right? Just turn around and say, I overheard you and your wife talking about your ministry, and I just want to encourage you. And can I pray for you? I want to pray that you would have success in your ministry. I want to pray that God would bless what y'all are embarking on and doing. And that is being truthful with what we know. Now, was the Spirit leading? Maybe, but we don't know that. 
God doesn't give us that kind of knowledge. That's secret knowledge. The Bible says the secret things are for the Lord alone. But the things that are revealed are for us. So focus on the things that are revealed. That's why we talk about the Bible, right? Because it's revealed. It's there. It's for you to open up and read. This is how the Spirit of God leads. So, so how do we do it? We need to test it. Am I, being, am I resisting the flesh? Whatever the decision is. Am I resisting the flesh? Am I bearing fruit? Is this leading me to love, joy, peace, patience, etc.? And am I walking in freedom or am I creating a new bondage in the situation? Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the wrestling that I've had to do this week. Um, I thank you for uh, even conflicts and difficulties. And I pray you would sanctify all of that. And Lord, you would use it to draw us all closer to you closer to the truth, closer, closer to your, your face, closer to the Lord Jesus, that the Holy Spirit would work His character, His life, His fruit into us, and that we would be following your lead in everything that we do. Lord, we love you. We know that you go before us and behind us. In Jesus' name, amen.